Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Today, we are talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. This is our series that we're in at the moment, all about the advantage. We've called it the advantage because when you have the Holy Spirit, He is the advantage in your life. And today we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. This is not the gifts of the Spirit. This is not the demonstration of the Spirit, not the impartation of the Spirit. We're going to be talking about that next week. It's going to be a great time together, and so I encourage you to be back here next week for the gifts and the impartation of the Spirit. But today we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Somebody say fruit of the Spirit. Come on, fruit of the Spirit. We learned about this in Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5. Paul is writing to a church in Galatia, the churches in Galatia. And just as uh, some context for what's going on in the churches in Galatia, what's happening, and the reason that Paul has written a letter is because Jesus has come and Jesus has saved those that are in Jerusalem and, and those that are in Judea. And now the gospel is spreading to places like Galatia. Galatia is what would be understood as like the area of Turkey these days in Asia Minor. And so now the gospel has spread and what those early Christians Christians have done from Jerusalem. They've taken some of their Old Testament law and they are now spreading that law along with the gospel and they are teaching that to those who are coming into the knowledge and relationship of Christ. And so they're saying to these brand new converts, hey, you need to follow the Sabbath and you have to get circumcised and there are certain foods that you can and cannot eat. And Paul is writing to those that are in Galatia and he's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. You're taking all of this extra baggage and you're putting it into the gospel and now you're teaching it to those that all they need to know is the gospel of what Jesus Christ has done for them and the power of the Holy Spirit that is available to them. And that's not just something that was done thousands of years ago, that's something that we also do today as well. Far too often people enter into churches and they're kinda told in a roundabout way, this is how you should vote. Like all good Christians should vote as a Republican or all good Christians should vote as a Democrat or all good Christians do not drink alcohol, or all good Christians do not do this. And I just want you to know, if you are new here today, that is not the heart of this church. The heart of this church is that you would encounter Jesus who is the Christ, and that you would receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit, that you would grow into His likeness through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that more and more and more He would make Himself available to you. And that is our heart, that, not, that the convictions that I have on a personal level would not become necessarily the convictions that you have on a personal level. I want to be able to degree, disagree, and I want to be able to debate different types of things, but I want to make sure that as a church family, we are always staying central to what is listed in the gospel. And so in chapter 5 of Galatians, Paul says this. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, 
forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you grew up in church, then you probably remember the song of all of those different fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience, all those kinds of things, because there's so many of them, it can be difficult to remember how many there are. And so like you start listing them out and you're like, oh, I can't remember, is there seven of them? Is there nine of them? I don't remember how many fruit of the Spirit there are. And if you look at the way that this is referred to, these are referred to as the fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruits of the Spirit. Paul writes about these as the fruit of the Spirit, singular, not plural. The fruit of the Spirit, as in a unified whole that grows together, that is not separated by our own works. This is not something that I can look at one of these things individually, joy, and say, you know what? I'm gonna work on joy today. This is my goal is to work on joy today. And because I feel like I am lacking in some joy, I'm gonna work on joy. I'm gonna watch some funny movies and I'm gonna watch some comedians and I'm gonna practice some smiling exercises and I'm gonna work on my posture and I'm gonna change the friend group that I'm around. I'm I'm gonna work on my joy because this is the fruit of the Spirit, one fruit that has different characteristics on the inside of it, the fruit of the Spirit. When you start separating these things into love and joy and peace and patience, this is real fruit. This is incredible. This is like a real prop right here. This is love and joy and peace and patience. We don't separate these things because when you start separating them, the temptation is to start working on these things yourself. And when you work on them, they are no longer fruit. They are works. They are acts. They become flesh of what you're trying to work on. These become, when I'm working on them, this becomes the acts of fill. This is no longer the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit means that He has worked on this on the inside of you and that He has grown this and He has developed this on the inside of you. And the danger sometimes when you finish one year and you're starting your new calendar year is that you pray and you ask God for, like, what is my word for the next year that I'm entering into? And sometimes you might hear that God wants you to start working on your patience. And so then you get hold of your patience and then you start working on your patience and you start thinking about what you need to do in order to get more patience in your life. But these are not the gifts of the Spirit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. If you want more of this in your life and you pray for God to increase this in your life, like let's say that you are in your home and you aren't in a particularly loving environment. Let's say that you and your spouse don't have the most loving relationship. Maybe you and your siblings, you and your parents, you and your children don't have the most loving relationship. And so you say, God, we want more love in our home. God isn't going to click his fingers and zap you into love with those people that you are in your home environment with. That's not how God works. God is going to provide an opportunity. God is going to provide an environment for the fruit of the Spirit to begin to grow in your life. If I am lacking patience, God is not going to click his fingers, clap his hands, and give me more patience. This is not a gift that is given. 
This is not something that is imparted to me. This is something that has grown on the inside of me. And so if I'm looking for more patience and I ask God for more patience, then what's he gonna do? God's gonna give me a spouse that takes 45 minutes to get ready every single day when we're trying to go somewhere. This is not my wife, Meredith. This is, I'm not talking about her. Bishop, this is your wife. This is how God has grown patience on the inside of you. Or God is going to give you small children that when you load up in the car and it's time to go somewhere and you've asked them multiple times if they need to go potty, by the time you get them into the car all buckled up, ready to go, and the car is in reverse, then inevitably one of them is gonna say, Dad, I need to go potty. And then that is the experience and the opportunity that God has brought into your life to grow patience on the inside of you. But these are not gifts, these are fruit. These things will grow. And the question becomes, if you're asking for more patience in life, what are you doing with the time that God has required you to wait in? What are you doing with your waiting? What are you doing with your waiting? What are you doing with your waiting? If God wants to develop waiting on the inside of you, then what are you doing with the waiting? Are you complaining about it? Are you frustrated in this moment of waiting that you're in? Because if you are complaining and if you're frustrated with the waiting that God has required of you in order to grow the fruit of the Holy Spirit, then you're gonna miss out on the opportunity to develop in the right kind of way. Waiting, in a sense, is God tilling up the soil that is on the inside of you to ensure that you are ready to receive and value what he is bringing onto the inside of your life. And so what are you doing with those moments of waiting that you have in your life? Even more than the moments of waiting, what are you doing with the season of waiting that you are currently in? Are you grumbling with God because you have asked him for something and he hasn't yet brought that prayer as an answer into your life? Are you frustrated with him or are you worshiping while you wait? Are you frustrated with him? Are you complaining? Are you gossiping? Are you putting distance between you and God because you're frustrated that he hasn't yet brought it into your life? Or do you worship while you wait? What are you doing with your waiting? What are you doing with your waiting? When, when I begin to work on these types of things, they become acts of the flesh. Acts of the flesh. They're no longer fruit of the spirit. When you want this to go, grow, God will bring an opportunity into your life for the Holy Spirit to grow the fruit that he is wanting to grow on the inside of you as a unified whole. When I begin to start trying to do it myself, it becomes something that Paul refers to as the acts of the flesh. And if we go a couple of verses earlier in Galatians chapter five, he writes about this and he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, which is like excessive indulgence in sensual pleasures and that type of thing. Uh, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, which is those that are like, it's cool to disagree, but those that are sowing discord are people that are continually and always in disagreement with everything. Like, you, you might be thinking about that person right now 
always in disagreement with everything that is happening. Doesn't matter how good that thing is, they're gonna find a way to be in disagreement about it. Those are people that are sowing discord into a community. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, which is a group of people that are within a larger group of people who are always stirring up conflict. That's what a faction is. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Just in case those 12 things were not clear enough, and the like. Anything else that's kind of like this, Paul says that this is an act of the flesh. Fruit of the Spirit, act of the flesh. When you start trying to do things yourself, it becomes an act of the flesh. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's not saying if you fall into one of these things. He's not saying if you sin in a moment that you will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says those who live like this, those who are continually hanging out in this camp, always doing their own things, always working themselves, removed from the Holy Spirit, always trying to achieve things themselves, that is the act of the flesh. And he says if you live like this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the reality is that when you try and do things that are removed from what the Holy Spirit is trying to grow on the inside of you, it becomes an act of the flesh. And my goal as I walk through life is not to avoid the act of the flesh. In some ways, the act of the flesh shows that I'm human. And I must exist in the struggle and the tension that I have been created in fallen nature and that it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that when I ask for him to infill me that I gain the ability to push off and to resist the acts of the flesh. But if I try and do this myself, if I try and struggle against these things myself, then I'm always going to fail because I don't have the strength and the ability to do this myself, neither do you. Nobody has the strength to fight off the acts of the flesh themselves, and that's why God says, don't resist this yourself, pursue the Holy Spirit. Cling on to the Holy Spirit so that no matter what comes against you, no matter no temptation, no trial, no difficulty, no distraction, no matter what comes against you, cling on to the Holy Spirit, and He will give you the strength to grow the fruit that is on the inside of you to fight against the acts of the flesh no matter what comes against you no matter no no storm no matter what difficulty cling onto the Holy Spirit and he will give you the strength to fight against these things if you do it yourself it becomes an act of the flesh can you uh, can you do this can you put the screen up right here real, real quick so on one side you have the acts of the flesh On the other side, you have the fruit of the Spirit right here. You can see these two columns. There's 12 things on the left, and there's nine things that are on the right. What's beautiful about these two lists that are right here is that the fruit of the Spirit neutralizes the acts of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit opposes the acts of the flesh. And so if you are struggling with fits of rage, then the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to control yourself. If you're struggling with hatred, then the Holy Spirit will grow the fruit of love on the inside of you. And you'll notice that one side is all about actions. One side is all about doing. And the other side is all about attitude. The other side is all about characteristics. It's all about your character. God says, don't resist 
the acts of the flesh by yourself. Be infilled with the Holy Spirit. Let me grow the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of you, and I will give you the strength and the ability to fight off and to resist against the acts of the flesh. And yes, we should be co-laboring with Christ, and we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling, those types of things, but the fruit of the Spirit is grown by Him. It is not grown by us. When you ask for an opportunity for God to grow one of the fruit of the Spirit in your life, it's important to be prepared for God to bring that opportunity into your life. There was uh, an opportunity a few years ago where Meredith challenged me, and she said, hey, it's not that you're always wrong, uh, but sometimes when you say things, it doesn't come across the most kindest of ways. Sometimes it comes across a little bit harsh. And again, it's not that what you're saying is wrong. It's just, it doesn't come across like it's particularly kind when you say it to different people. I've heard you say it to different people and I just wanna say that to you and I just want you to be aware of it and then we'll kind of do with it what we do with it. And so then, of course, like any mature, responsible, biblically grounded, wise person, I went away and sulked about it and got upset and offended and left her for a little while. But then I prayed and I said, God, if this is something that is true on the inside of me, that I need to work on my kindness and my gentleness, then I ask that you would grow this fruit of the Spirit on the inside of me, that you would give me an opportunity to see this develop in my life. And around this time, my side of the family had been working on planning something together. And we had spent months and months and months planning this thing. We'd had lots of conversations, lots of calls, lots of emails, and we'd been working on this thing together. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, one of my members of the family said, hey, we're not gonna be a part of this thing anymore. They just pulled out of it altogether after like months and months and months of planning. And I was frustrated. I was like, how irresponsible of these people to not be part of the planning process. We've been working on this thing. And so I'm frustrated and I'm mad. And then what do I do? I tell them about it. And I say to them, hey, I'm so mad and so frustrated. I might have thrown in some extra words in addition to that, but I start telling them, your irresponsibility is now affecting the rest of us. And I get into all of these types of details, right? And the details are not that important right now because what is important is how I responded in that situation. What's not important is what they did. What's not important about exactly the details. What's important is how I responded, what my heart was like. And so I told them how I felt. And Meredith then came back to me like the gracious bride that she is. And she said, you know how like just a couple of days ago, I had said, it's not that you're always wrong, it's just the way that you say something is not always the most kind, it's not always the most gentle. And I said, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and she said, well, I, I know that you went away and you prayed for an opportunity for God to bring into your life so that you could grow and develop that fruit in your life. She said, I think that that might have been the opportunity that you had right there. I don't know, maybe that God was bringing into your life. And I said, you know what, you're probably right. And I went back to God and I said, God, you brought that opportunity into my life and I bombed it. I blew it. You wanted to grow this fruit. I had asked you to grow this fruit on the inside of me, but I missed that opportunity. 
God, will you give me another opportunity? And because he is gracious and because he is kind and because he does give multiple chances, then he gave me another opportunity to continue working in that so that he could continually work at growing the fruit of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. But what are you doing while you wait? What are you doing while you're still waiting on answered prayers? What are you, what are you doing? If, if I was to take Meredith on uh, a date one night, and like, let's say that we've got someone to watch the kiddos for the evening, and I'm taking her on a date. We've got a, a nice romantic evening ahead of us, and I've booked a nice reservation. We're about to go out and go to a restaurant and catch a movie and all of that. And, uh, and keep in mind, this is hypothetical because she does not take a long time to look good. Right? She can look fine in a flash. It doesn't take her long at all. But let's say that hypothetically it did, and she is spending time getting ready, and the minutes are becoming hours, and I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting, and I'm bored, and I'm frustrated, and then I start grumbling and telling her that. My response in that moment is going to affect her, and then that is going to affect the rest of the evening. And then what was going to be a really nice romantic time together has been spoiled because I didn't use my waiting season well my waiting moment well. And so what God is using to bring and to grow the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of you is your opportunity to respond well. But what are you doing with what God is using to grow the fruit on the inside of you? What I love about relationship is that there is intimacy in relationship. When I think about fruit, I think about relationship. This fruit, which I actually don't know what this one is. I'm going to grab this one. Pomegranate. When I think about this fruit, I think about relationship because this fruit did not start like this. This fruit and this fruit, and this fruit. This fruit started as a flower. And then a bee came along, and a bee did what bees do, and they cross-pollinate, and they move the pollen from one to the next, and then they fertilize the part of the flower that needs to be fertilized, and then now that flower has been fertilized, and that gives the ability for the fruit to grow but the fruit does not grow by itself. Nothing starts as fruit. It started as a flower. All fruit starts as flowers. And then because of intimacy, because of relationship, that fruit has the ability to grow. But it requires intimacy. When you get saved by Jesus Christ, that is a decision to allow him to enter into your life. When you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and receive him into your life, that doesn't necessarily make you a kind person. That doesn't necessarily make you a gentle person. 
Matter of fact, some of the people that I have uh, found most difficult in life will pray in tongues on a Sunday and then cuss you out on a Monday. That doesn't necessarily mean because they have the Holy Spirit in their life, that doesn't necessarily mean that kindness and gentleness and faithfulness are growing in their life. But fruit grows through relationship. Fruit grows through intimacy. Just because you have Jesus in your life, just because the Holy Spirit is in your life, doesn't mean necessarily that the fruit is growing, but it comes through intimacy. And how do you have intimacy with the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, when he was on earth, stay connected to the vine. Remain in me. He didn't say, receive me into your life and then go spend the rest of your life doing what you want to do. He said, remain in me and he will bring the fruit, remain. And how do we remain? We do the foundationals right. Number one, don't just pray, hang out with God. Sometimes when we think that we should pray more often, then it becomes something that we should check off on our checklist, like I've done my five minutes of prayer and I'm done for the day and good job me, and now I have completed what it means to be a good Christian. But don't just pray, hang out with the Holy Spirit. Be in constant conversation with the Holy Spirit always speaking to him, always receiving from him, always listening to him, hang out with the Holy Spirit. Don't just read the Bible, study the Bible. Don't just open the devotional of the day, study the Bible, meditate on scripture. Don't just pray, hang out with the Holy Spirit study scripture in community, get together with people that are going to strengthen you and empower you and embolden you. Hang out with those people that are going to challenge you to get deeper and deeper into scripture. If you do these things correctly and if you do these things often, then you will begin to look more and more and more like Jesus. And as Paul wrote in the book of Romans, to us through the book of Romans, he said that God created us so that we would look more and more like Jesus. That's why he created us, so that we would look more and more and more like Jesus. And so if you allow the Holy Spirit to grow the fruit that is on the inside of you, then you begin to look more and more and more like Jesus. Last point that I wanna to make today is a, a scripture that we see in 2 Corinthians chapter three. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this, And we all who with unveiled faces, somebody say unveiled faces, unveiled. contemplate or reflect the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We who with unveiled faces are being transformed more and more and more into his glory. We are being transformed. Unveiled faces is something that we don't often talk about, but we have unveiled faces. What Paul is talking about here is a scripture that we learn about where Moses in the book of Exodus has just led the Israelites out of Egypt. 
And now Moses is at the foot of Mount Sinai and he knows that there needs to be some type of law, some type of something that is given to him to help provide an opportunity for people to know how they're meant to live, how they're meant to interact, how are they meant to see God, all of these types of things. And so Moses goes up Mount Sinai and he spends time encountering and experiencing the living God. And then, because Moses has been encountering God, as he comes back down the mountain, his skin, his appearance starts shining with brightness. So much so that people have to shield their eyes because they are afraid of what his skin is now showing. They cover themselves because Moses' appearance has now begun to shine with the glory of God. And so then Moses takes a veil and he puts this veil over the top of him to bring down the brightness so that people are not afraid at being near him. People are not afraid to see him but what, it, what happens with this glory that is all over Moses is that the further that he goes away from the mountain, the more that that brightness begins to diminish. The more time that passes, the less his appearance is now shining and he doesn't have to wear the veil anymore. When he goes back up the mountain and he encounters the living God again, then his appearance begins to shine. The glory gets all over him again and his appearance begins to shine like God's again. And when he comes back down the mountain, then people have to shield and he has to put on the veil and then the, veil, and then the glory begins to diminish over time yet again. The more that he spends time off the mountain, the more that he spends time away from the spirit of the living God, the more his appearance diminishes because he is the veiled one. But Paul refers to us as the unveiled ones. Moses had to go up Mount Sinai to encounter God. And when he left and when he departed, the glory diminished. The same God that Moses had to go up the mountain to encounter is the same God that is living on the inside of you today. It is growing on the inside of you today. Moses had to go up the mountain and when he left the mountain, the glory diminished. But that same Holy Spirit is available to be on the inside of you today. How does Paul write about it? He says, with ever-increasing glory. With ever-increasing glory. That means that day by day by day, the Spirit is growing on the inside of you. The gifts are being developed on the inside of you. The fruit is growing on the inside of you day by day by day because you are the unveiled ones. The glory does not diminish in you. The glory increases in you. The Holy Spirit is expanding His work on the inside of you because you are 
the unveiled one. Not only that, can we put the scripture that we just read right back up on the screen one more time, 2 Corinthians. This is something that you don't grow. It says this, it says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed, transformed. That word transformed right there is what is referred to as passive voice, present tense. And you, you might not be a, a, a grammar geek, but it is, it is a passive voice, which means that it is not you doing the work. You are the passive one in this process. That means that God is the active one that is growing this on the inside of you. Passive voice. You are being transformed. You are not transforming yourself. God is transforming you. God is increasing you. God is growing the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of you. And it is also present tense, which is not future tense. It is not past tense. It is present tense. That means that He is doing it right now. Right here in this moment, the power of the Holy Spirit is available to you in this moment to grow the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of you. That means if you don't know love, He is able to bring love into your life. If you don't know joy, then He is able to bring joy into your life. He is transforming right in this moment. He is the active transformer, and He is growing the fruit that is on the inside of you. And the fruit is not for you. The fruit is for those that are around you. When you think about fruit, fruit brings nourishment. Fruit brings sustenance. The fruit that I have on the inside of me is not for me. My prayer is that I am so full of the fruit of the Spirit that those who are around me would be nourished by this fruit. My prayer is that you are so full of fruit that is ripe, of fruit that is healthy, that those that are around you in your neighborhoods, in your workplace, in your families, that those people that are around you would be nourished, would be sustained by the fruit of what God and God alone can do in your life. Would you stand with me as we pray in this moment? God, I'm thankful that you are a transforming God that we get to partner with you in the process, but that we don't have to do it ourselves. That you didn't create us and leave us, but that you created us and you are constantly transforming us to look more and more and more like Jesus every day. God, I'm thankful that you're doing it right now. In moments where there was an element of hatred, I'm thankful that you are transforming that for love. In moments when we've had fits of rage, I'm thankful that you are transforming that for self-control. God, I'm thankful that you are bringing faithfulness and goodness and kindness into our lives today. That you are our great transformer and that you are growing healthy, ripe, abundant fruit in all of us today. And we're thankful for what you're doing.
we receive your fruit and all the opportunities that are required to grow it today. Let us not, not miss the opportunity that you are bringing. Let us look for the opportunity that you are bringing into our life, even this week. Let us look for it. Let us recognize it. Let us receive it. And let us be good stewards of the opportunities that you are bringing into our life to grow the fruit that you know that we need, to grow the fruit that only you can grow. God, I don't know exactly what everybody needs today. And even if I did, I wouldn't have the ability, I wouldn't have the opportunity to give it to them myself. I'm asking for you to do what only you can do. God, I'm asking for you to do the the unimaginable. God, I'm asking for you to do the unthinkable. God, I'm asking for you to do the impossible. Blow our minds this week, Father. Grow fruit that we thought was dead. Bring life back to it. And we're thankful, God. We're thankful for your faithfulness, for your love. And we're thankful for the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen, church? Amen. This week, I want to encourage you. This entire week. Pray and look for the opportunity that God is using to bring fruit into your life. Whatever the fruit is that needs to grow, whatever characteristic that you need to grow, ask God for that opportunity. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you. See you next time.